This podcast details true crime cases. It contains adult themes and may contain descriptions of violence. It is not intended for children. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of Once Upon a Crime. This month, I'm covering cases connected to the social media platform YouTube. This week, not only is a YouTube creator involved in a crime, but YouTube itself becomes the target of violence. A young woman who creates a YouTube channel to advocate for animal rights becomes disgruntled with the social media platform when she feels she's being targeted for discrimination. But no one could imagine that her anger would spiral into a random act of violence. This is the last chapter in the series, YouTube Mayhem, the case of the YouTube headquarters shooting. On March 31, 2018, Ismail Agdam phoned the San Diego County Sheriff's Department to report his daughter missing. He'd not heard from 38-year-old Nassim Agdam for a few days. He was concerned because she had never left home before without letting anyone know, and no one had been able to reach her on her cell phone. The officer who spoke with Mr. Agdam asked if there were any factors that might make his adult daughter at risk medical conditions, history of mental illness, etc. He said there weren't, so the officer simply took a description of his daughter, her car, and license plate number and entered it into a database. Mr. Ogdom was told that if there were any hits on his daughter's description or that of her car, he'd be notified. About two days later, at 1.40 a.m. on April 3rd, two officers with the Mountain View Police Department ran the license plate of a white Pontiac found parked inside a Walmart parking lot. Mountain View is a city located 741 miles north of San Diego and about 30 minutes south of San Francisco. The license plate came back to an owner whose address was listed as Menifee, California, a town in San Diego County. The car's plates were flagged as being connected with the missing person report in that county. As officers approached the vehicle, they found a slender, dark-haired woman asleep in the driver's seat. She was wearing a hooded sweatshirt pulled over her head and while a bit startled at being awakened, appeared to be alert and unimpaired by drugs or alcohol. Officers asked for her identification, and she was identified as Nassim Agdam, the woman who had been reported missing. She was questioned by officers who spoke with her for about 15 or 20 minutes, a portion of which was captured on a body cam, to determine if she was okay and find out why she was sleeping in her car so far from home. She told them that she decided to leave home a few days earlier due to family issues. She'd come to the area to stay with other relatives, but had not yet connected with them and had pulled over into the parking lot to sleep. She thought it was a safe place, since she noticed other vehicles and RVs that appeared to be allowed to park overnight in the Walmart store parking lot. Officers later reported that Ms. Ogdom was cooperative and calm during the interaction. Medication at all? No. Are you supposed to take medication? Okay. okay. You don't want to hurt yourself, do you? Or you don't want to hurt anybody else? You don't want to commit suicide or anything like that, right? Okay. Are you ever planning on going back home? No? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Do you have any friends or anybody out here? No? Oh, okay. No, I wanted to get out of 
I got you. Uh, okay. New. Start fresh. Yeah. Okay. Ah, very good. The thing is, is that we sometimes get people that park their stolen vehicles here, and so we run all the plates that are out in the parking lot. And when he ran the plate, it came back to you, but it came back as a missing person. So all we're going to do, we just had to make sure that you were okay. After speaking with Ms. Ogdom, they determined that there was no reason to detain her further. But she was informed they were going to call her father, who'd made the report, to let him know that she'd been located and was safe. This was the only time during the conversation that the woman appeared to show concern. She asked whether they would share with her family where she had been located. So we're going to, we have to call your dad. We're just going to let him know that you're fine and you wish not to be contacted. And we check your welfare. Well, we have to tell him, we have to say, we have to tell him that we found you, right? Um, but, I mean, legally we have to do that. We have to say, well, we found her. Um, she is fine. She left home because she doesn't want to be there anymore and <clears throat> she doesn't want to be contacted. And that's all we tell them, okay? And then if you choose to contact your family, you can. But what we'll do is we'll take your name and the, and the car out of the system so you won't be reported missing anymore. Okay? Is there anything you want us to tell your parents? Okay. Okay. Alrighty. <laughs> You're welcome. Nassim Ogdam was allowed to leave. She had not been asked to get out of her vehicle, nor was it searched. If it had been the officers may have discovered that she was in the possession of a 9mm Smith & Wesson semi-automatic pistol, purchased just three months earlier. Eight hours later, the woman drove to a shooting range located in South San Francisco. She wanted to practice her aim with the new weapon before arriving at her final destination. Nassim Najafi Agdam was born on April 5, 1979, in Urmia, Iran. Her parents, originally from the Republic of Azerbaijan, had immigrated to Iran before arriving in the United States in 1996. They'd settled in Riverside County, California, when Nassim was in her late teens. Nassim was a brilliant young woman who spoke several languages and was passionate about a variety of causes. She could be intense when it came to things she cared about, but was always willing to back up her words with actions. However, she'd found it a struggle to fit in with her American peers. She proudly identified as Persian and commonly defaulted to her native language of Farsi, although she also spoke English, Turkish, Azerbaijani, and Persian. As she became an adult, Nassim continued to live with her parents and extended family members, and together they moved to the city of San Diego. Nassim and her family practiced the Baha'i faith, a religion that had originated in Dubai in 1950. There are no dietary restrictions specifically tied to the faith, but Nassim became a vegan, which she believed aligned more closely with her beliefs. She became a vocal opponent of the meat industry and any companies that used animals in the creation of their products. In 2009, Nassim participated in a protest in San Diego organized by PETA, or People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. She stood out from the crowd not only for the energy and passion she displayed at the protest, but also because she was strikingly beautiful 
with jet black hair and large dark eyes. Standing at 5 foot 5 inches tall and weighing only 114 pounds, her petite frame barely contained her larger-than-life personality and fiery energy. She came dressed to the protests in clothing painted to simulate the bloodshed by innocent animals for corporations that, in her opinion, treated them cruelly and poisoned the planet. Nassim was quoted as saying that, for me, animal rights equal human rights. To continue her advocacy work as a vegan spokesperson, Nassim first created a website to promote her beliefs and encourage others to adopt a healthier lifestyle that didn't include eating meat or animal byproducts. She became well-known in the vegan community, and her social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, and Telegram, were followed by tens of thousands of people. She had over 55,000 followers on Instagram alone. In 2010, she launched a YouTube channel posting videos under the name Nasima Sobs, but she was commonly known as Green Nasim. Her YouTube channel content went viral on Iranian social media, and she quickly gained over 45,000 subscribers with over 1.5 million views. She started a spin-off channel posting videos in Turkish about everything from vegan recipes, exercise workouts, and homemade dance videos. The channel had over 10,000 subscribers and more than 2.3 million views. She also posted videos in Persian, English, and Azerbaijani in total receiving more than 9.2 million views over all her channels. Now a certified YouTube success story, Nassim branched out to other projects, identifying herself on her Instagram bio as an athlete, artist, comedian, poet, model, singer, host, actor, director, and producer. In 2011, she began a nonprofit animal rights organization called Peace Thunder, but it never quite got off the ground and quickly folded. But in 2016, the YouTube platform began a new advertising policy which demonetized channels with less than 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time. Even though Nassim's channel called Animals 24-7 had more than 5,000 subscribers, her content began to be demonetized. Other vegan activists also complained that their ad revenue was being reduced by YouTube's policies. Some, including Nassim, accused YouTube of not only unfair practices as it pertained to ad sales, but also censorship. It was Nassim's belief that YouTube was filtering and demonetizing her content, claiming that when someone searched for her website in Google and clicked on her YouTube thumbnail, it produced an error message. But there is no error, she wrote on her website in February of 2016. They, speaking about YouTube, add it to keep you from visiting my site, end quote. Around the same time, her viewers began noting that Nassim was expressing more extreme views and displaying strange and erratic behavior in her videos. Some also complained about videos depicting graphic animal abuse on her site. After Nassim posted a video in March of 2016, where she ranted about life in the United States being, quote, toxic and oppressive, amongst other complaints, she received comments from viewers inquiring as to her mental health. She responded, I don't have any special mental or physical disease, but I live on a planet filled with disease, disorders, perversions, and injustices. As Green Nassim, she was admired by some, but others began to openly mock her online. By the summer of 2016, the number of viewers to her YouTube channel dropped by a large margin, and her subscribers also fell off. Nassim attributed this directly to YouTube's censorship of her views and opinions. She started other YouTube channels in 2016 and 2017, but these also experienced drops in views over time. 
She claimed that her old videos were no longer getting any new views, and her new videos received much less interaction than previously. She posted screenshots of her analytics to prove these claims and complained that she was only earning about 10 cents with over 300,000 views. Her criticisms of the company continued on her website where she wrote, Be aware, dictatorship exists in all countries, but with different tactics. They only care for personal short-term profits and do anything to reach their goals, even by fooling simple-minded people, hiding the truth, manipulating science, putting public mental and physical health at risk, abusing non-human animals, polluting the environment, destroying family values, promoting materialism, and sexual degeneration in the name of freedom, and turning people into programmed robots. She paraphrased a Nazi propaganda message writing, Make the lie big, make it simple, keep saying it, and eventually they will believe it. And then she continued, There is no free speech in the real world, and you will be suppressed for telling the truth that is not supported by the system. There is no equal growth opportunity on YouTube or any other video sharing site. Your channel will grow if they want it to. End quote. YouTube and their parent company, Google, who'd bought the social media channel in 2006, became the enemy to Nassim. She often spoke to her family, friends, and viewers about how she hated the company. In June 2017, Nassim made a formal complaint to YouTube regarding changes made on the site that determined its policies on monetizing content and revenue share. YouTube responded by saying her workout videos were classified as restricted due to inappropriate scenes. But she countered by saying that while her videos were considered age-restricted due to content, videos featuring celebrities like Miley Cyrus and Nicki Minaj, while much more suggestive in nature, were not considered inappropriate by the platform. It was her opinion that because her views were, quote, not good for businesses, such as food corporations, pharmaceutical companies, and others who, unlike her, did not promote, quote, healthy, humane, and smart living, her channel was being censored and discriminated against. There appeared to be some tension with Nassim's family at this time as well, although the Ogdong family would never specify what had exactly occurred. But they did remark later on that Nassim had expressed both hatred and anger at both the YouTube and Google companies on a frequent basis. They also later reported that she moved out of her parents' home and in with her grandmother, who was still residing in Riverside County, in early 2018. Then, unknown to anyone, Nassim, who her family said was so averse to hurting any living thing that she moved bugs outside of her home instead of killing them, purchased a firearm on January 16, 2018. Two months later, she would go missing and be found sleeping in her car, just a few miles from the YouTube headquarters building. Nassim Agdam continued to feud with YouTube for censoring her channel. But instead of resolving the problem, the issue went from bad to worse. On February 20, 2018, YouTube began demonetizing all four of her YouTube channels due to a drop in her viewers and subscribers. Her channels no longer met the threshold of the number of subscribers needed to earn ad revenue, according to YouTube. Nassim was also experiencing conflict at home, as reported by her father. But he classified these as merely disagreements, and no violence or threats of violence occurred according to Ismail Agdam. He did not believe his daughter was a danger to herself or anyone else at this time, he would later report. But when Nassim went unaccounted for in late March, 
and did not return her family's phone calls for more than two days, they reported her missing. On April 3rd, around 2 a.m., her father received a phone call from the Mountain View Police Department. Nassim had been located over 700 miles north asleep in her car. However, they said she appeared to be fine, and they had no reason to detain her. They simply reported to her family that she was okay and had left home voluntarily. She'd been asked if she wanted police to pass along a message to her family. She replied that she did not. Nassim had told officers that she'd left home due to, quote, family issues, wanted to make a fresh start in another place, and had decided on Northern California. She said she was looking for a job and would be staying with a family member whom she was still attempting to locate. None of these details were shared with Nassim's family as she'd requested. But after her father hung up with the police, Nassim's brother looked up the city of Mountain View on a map. An hour later, Mr. Ogdom called the Mountain View Police Department again. This time, he told them that Nassim might be in the area because the YouTube headquarters was located nearby. He explained that the company had recently done something to his daughter's videos and it had, quote, caused her to become upset. However, he did not indicate that she'd made any threats, nor was anyone aware she was in the possession of a weapon. In my opinion, even with the information about Nassim's animosity towards the YouTube company, this would not have raised any red flags with the Mountain View police. YouTube headquarters was located in San Bruno, California, over 30 miles away from where Nassim was found. However, the Google building sat just about three miles away from where she was found and in the same city, Mountain View. But it appears that no one shared that Nassim was highly critical of and angry at that company as well at that time. After being interviewed by police in the early hours of Tuesday, April 3rd, Nassim drove north, stopping in South San Francisco. She visited the Jackson Arms shooting range, where she spent almost two hours shooting at targets. From the shooting range, it was less than two miles to the YouTube headquarter building in San Bruno. Nassim drove her car there and parked at a business adjacent to the YouTube building, located at 901 Cherry Avenue. The YouTube building, which was once the headquarters of the Gap Clothing Company, has 195,000 square feet of office space. Over 1,500 employees worked in the building in 2018. The building's design takes advantage of the sunny California weather by incorporating large windows and a loft-like openness in which employees, quote, feel as though they're spending the day outside, according to the architect's website. A prominent feature of the building is, quote, an undulating 70,000-square-foot roof covered in native grasses and wildflowers, echoing the coastal savanna ecosystem. Sounds lovely. Entering one of YouTube's parking garages, Nassim began walking towards the open courtyard, where several employees were enjoying their lunch outdoors. It was just after 12 p.m. The courtyard was accessible from the adjacent parking lot structure without an employee badge. Just beyond the courtyard was the lobby, where guests must check in and employees show their badges before gaining access. Nassim, wearing black pants, a white sweater, fresh lipstick, and a black and gold scarf tied around her neck, began walking towards the lobby doors through the courtyard. A security guard approached to request she show her badge. She ignored him and pulled out the 9mm semi-automatic pistol from the purse slung over her shoulder. Upon seeing the weapon, the security guard ran and alerted the desk to call 911 on his radio unit. The time was 12.46 p.m. Nassim opened fire, indiscriminately shooting at fleeing employees who heard the shots before they saw the gun. 
The pistol had a capacity of 10 rounds, and Nassim emptied one magazine before reloading at least one more time. Shots went through the glass lobby doors, shattering them and causing even more panic. Alexander Uribe, a software engineer, reported that he realized that there was an active shooter after hearing the sounds and seeing people, quote, running like hell. A fire alarm went off, adding to the confusion. Employees began tweeting that there was an active shooter on the premises. Someone else tweeted that some YouTube employees had barricaded themselves inside conference rooms. Todd Sherman, a product manager, stated that he and some coworkers started heading towards the exit when he looked down to see blood drips on the floors and stairs before heading downstairs and out of the front of the building. At 12.48 p.m., just two minutes after receiving the first 911 call, San Bruno police arrived and began evacuating over 1,100 employees. A SWAT team and emergency personnel converged on the campus to rescue employees, search for the shooter, and render aid as needed. Photos of people leaving the building with their hands raised to signify they were not the armed assailant were tweeted out on social media. Some of the evacuees were directed to shelter in place at a nearby shopping center. Others exiting on the other side huddled together in a small patch of woods just behind the building. Still others, determined to get as far away from danger as possible, jumped the fence and headed to Interstate 380, a block away. By 12.50 p.m., the building was all but emptied of personnel and officers had spread out to locate the shooter. At 12.53, Nassim Ogdam was found inside the building, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound that had pierced her heart. Three victims of the shooting were located and transported to Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. A 32-year-old woman and a 27-year-old woman were listed in fair condition and released that evening. A 32-year-old man was admitted in serious condition but would also survive and be released a few days later. The shooter was the only casualty. Nassim Ogdam died two days before her 39th birthday. Ed Barberini, chief of the San Bruno Police Department, held a press conference later that night to identify the shooter as 39-year-old Nassim Najafi Agdam. Ms. Agdam walked east through the courtyard and began firing indiscriminately into a crowd of employees eating lunch, he said in a prepared statement. She emptied her pistol of ammunition, reloaded another magazine, and continued firing at the building and into the crowd. A total of 20 ejected shell casings were located at the scene, and one round remained in the firearm. Mountain View Police also reported the interaction with Ogdom the previous day, stating, At no point during our roughly 20-minute interaction with her did she mention anything about YouTube, if she was upset with them, or that she had planned to harm herself or others. They also stated that they'd spoken with both her father and brother after the encounter, and neither had, quote, mentioned anything about potential acts of violence or a possibility of Ogdom lashing out as a result of her issues with her videos, end quote. It was later reported that no evidence of drugs or alcohol was found in Ogdom's system. YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki tweeted out a statement, There are no words to describe how horrible it was to have an active shooter at YouTube today. Our deepest gratitude to law enforcement and first responders for the rapid response. Our hearts go out to all those injured and impacted today. We will come together to heal as a family. Google CEO Sundar Puchai released an email to all employees describing the shooting as an unimaginable tragedy 
and a horrific act of violence. Nassim's family was in disbelief over her final act. Her father spoke briefly to reporters, saying, She never hurt one animal, one ant. I don't know how she did this. I apologize to all the U.S. people, all the humans. I am sorry. I can't believe it. Later, the family also submitted a written statement as follows. Our family is in absolute shock and can't make sense of what has happened yesterday. Although no words can describe our deep pain for this tragedy, our family would like to express their utmost regret and sorrow for what has happened to innocent victims. Our thoughts and prayers are with them and their families. We are praying for speedy recovery of the injured and ask God to bestow patience upon all persons hurt in this horrific, senseless act. As our family struggles to cope with this chaotic situation, we would like to kindly ask the media to respect our family's privacy, and we thank the authorities. In response to the shooting, YouTube increased its security at all of its offices worldwide. They called the attack on the YouTube headquarters deeply shocking and disturbing. The company did not address Nassim Agdam's allegations that their revised policies had undermined her and other users' ad revenue. Active shootings by women, as I discussed with author Siobhan Scott in episode 241, are quite rare. According to FBI statistics, women were involved in just three incidents of mass shootings between 2014 and 2016, when there were over 160 such events in the United States. Nassim Ogdom's act of violence against people she had no direct connection with, and as a solo act, is even more rare. Other female mass shooters have either committed their acts with a male partner or targeted co-workers or people known to them. Can Nassim Ogdom's actions be explained simply as a grudge or out-of-control anger over what she perceived as unfair treatment by a corporation? Or was there something else at play? An undiagnosed mental illness or personality disorder, perhaps? That is something we can only speculate about, and unfortunately, there are no definitive answers. You can let us know what you think by interacting with the show in our Facebook group. That will do it for this episode of Once Upon a Crime, and we'll conclude the series YouTube Mayhem. Next Monday is Memorial Day in the United States, and I hope you'll spend it honoring those who have served our country in the armed forces or just by doing a good deed for yourself or others. Our next series of episodes will begin on Monday, June 6th, and I hope you'll join me then. It's just a little over two weeks before I fly off to London to participate in the second annual CrimeCon UK, and I can't wait to meet you across the pond. It's going to be amazing. If you haven't secured your tickets yet, what are you waiting for? If you're listening to this podcast, then you will love a weekend immersed in true crime cases straight from the experts, journalists, podcasters, authors, and the victims themselves. Get all the information and purchase your tickets at crimecon.co.uk. And don't forget to use my offer code onceupon 22 to get a discount on your registration and let them know that I sent you. Thanks, and I'll see you there. Once Upon a Crime is written and produced by me, Esther Ludlow. My research and production assistant is Lorena Garcia, and additional support and final audio editing for this episode was provided by Studio 71. Until next time, be good to one another.